today we had an extra long gospel for us, because what happened is we uh, had permission from the bishop to combine last week's gospel, or, or at least what would have been last week's gospel, with this week's gospel as well. Last week we, we celebrated the Assumption of Our Lady, and so the gospel that we read was uh, for her feast. Um, but these last several weeks we have been reading through uh, the, the sixth chapter of John's gospel, this Bread of Life discourse, uh, where, where our Lord is speaking to us uh, ultimately about, about Holy Communion. And what we notice is the scandal that it causes in the hearts of many of his followers. Uh, we have the benefit of 2,000 years of, uh, of church prax- praxis and also tradition reflecting upon this uh, and, and, and living this out in so many ways uh, in the life of the church. The Jews who heard this for the first time, I mean, how would I have responded? If, as I'm following our Lord, and he says things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Without the context of the Blessed Sacrament to be able to, to encourage and deepen a faith. It took quite a bit for them uh, at this moment. Um, because we can easily see ourselves looking at Jesus and saying, that guy's nuts. Like, I'm not going to follow him. Uh, because I don't want to do that. Right? Uh, so, okay, here we are. Uh, again, with the benefit of 2,000 years of, of, of looking back upon the Paschal Mystery and saying, Oh, that's, that's how you meant to fulfill these words of yours. Because his words are by no means any kind of, of even close to being untrue. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he says, and he means it. You have no life within you. And so... When they finally, those who trust him, those who are willing to walk with him, those who say, it's not just a teaching that I trust, but a person in whom I trust. So those who stay with him in the midst of all of that are finally brought to the Last Supper. When our Lord looks at them and at that little piece of bread and he says, oh, actually, this is my body, which will be given up for you. And this is the chalice of my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And you can imagine what they felt in the moment. Oh, that's what you were talking about. Thank God. Okay. That's what you were talking about. And yet even that moment at the Last Supper, a moment so solemn and so holy, because what they saw there was all of their hopes and dreams sort of passing before their eyes. What do you mean which is going to be given up for us? What do you mean your blood is going to be poured out for us? Because that doesn't sound like easy stuff to deal with either. In other words, in the, the whole context of the Christian life is an invitation to trust in our Lord. The invitation to trust in the words of our Lord, the word of our Lord, and of course the things that God permits to happen in the history of our salvation. I mean, how is it? How is it that anybody was able to remain faithful to Him there at the foot of the cross in that moment as they watched everything that they were hoping for seemingly fall to pieces? I mean, no wonder that all of the apostles, with the exception of John, fled. We say that it was the faith of Our Lady in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday that sustained the apostles. She was the one who knew him 
the most. She was the one who was privileged to see from the beginning all of the mysteries of God unfold. And she was the one in whom God wrought his own mysteries, uh, up to and including the Assumption, which we celebrated last week. For us today, we have the opportunity to consider the trustworthiness of our Lord. How many times in your life has that been tested? How many times have, has something happened where you said to God, but I thought this is what you were going to do for me. But I thought this is the way that things were supposed to be. And he looks at us and he says, many people would leave me after going through whatever it, whatever it is that you just went through. Do you also want to leave? And yet it's a hallmark now of the church. It's a hallmark of being a faithful member of the body of Christ. That we say with Simon Peter, the first Pope, Master, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Not to what other teaching shall we go, but to whom shall we go? He understands that it's not about a thing that we have to believe. He understands that it's about this person. This person, Jesus Christ, who's broken into our world. This person, Jesus Christ, who has healed the sins and the, and, and, and the illnesses of, of many. This person who has come to us and invited us to believe in Him. It's why He says to all of the other people who He heals, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And it's why He says that Nazareth why the gospel tells us he couldn't work a whole lot of miracles there because they didn't believe in him because of their lack of faith they didn't trust in this person jesus christ and so that's the invitation today our second reading uh, as well from the letter of saint paul to the ephesians is one that occasions for many uh, a test of faith St. Paul tells us wives should be subordinate to their husbands as the Lord, etc., etc. We go through the whole thing. Husbands, love your wives, even, even as Christ loved the church. The church gives us this reading today as well to reflect upon in the context of this other difficult teaching of the Eucharist to highlight, first and foremost, the trust that we are called to have. If we as a church turn to Christ in total trust in the midst of what seems like a ridiculous and absurd kind of a teaching, that when I hold up that host and I hold up that chalice, you're not looking at bread and you're not looking at wine, we're looking at the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The church also gives us the image of the family uh, and marriage to say that that kind of trust is what's supposed to happen in the married relationship. So if I can ask the ladies, if you have tomatoes afterwards, that's fine, okay? Um, but I get to ask the ladies, what does it take, what would it take for you to be able to trust perfectly and completely your husbands? What would it take? I know that's a tall order. Uh, and men, I know that I'm asking a lot of you as well. Because that's exactly what your wives are hoping exactly what you as the church are also hoping for me. So maybe if we take a step back from even the married relationship for a moment, what does it take to trust another? Like, I trust on some level that you have what it takes to fulfill whatever it is you're saying to me. 
as I look to our Lord and say to him, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. I know that he has what it takes. I also know, I also know that he has the goodwill to be able to give to me and to provide for me everything it is that I need and desire. It's amazing, then, the, the vocation of marriage, isn't it? Like, the level of greatness to which God calls married couples. Not an easy reality. Anybody who's lived it for more than 30 seconds on some level knows it's not an easy reality. That's okay. That is absolutely okay. Perfection, we know, is going to be achieved finally and totally in heaven. But our Lord provides for us then, today, to people. First himself, as the one who fulfills perfectly and completely the promises he makes to us. It's the virtue of hope, by the way. It's what Christian hope is. And so we look to our Lord and place all of our hope and trust in him to receive everything. Uh, and husbands, fathers, we, you look to him as well. So you are the model. You are the way that I'm supposed to live out my marriage. And total gift of self until nothing left, is left ungiven looks like the cross in so many ways. That's a challenge. And yet Christ gives us the grace. And ladies, you are given the example of Our Lady. Who in the midst of the chaos of everything that happened on Good Friday, remains faithful and stays with our Lord all the way until the end. That is also a tall order. Marriage, in so many ways, is a martyrdom. It's a beautiful martyrdom. And it's one, again, that is modeled for us by Christ on the cross, giving his life physically and totally for all of us. And Our Lady, too, to whom Simeon, the prophet, says, "In you yourself a sword shall pierce. She, too, undergoes a certain kind of martyrdom at the foot of the cross. And so in total trust and love, then, all of us in the vocation to which God has called us, we come here to the foot of the altar to receive again our Lord, the Blessed Sacrament, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and to trust Him. We place the difficulties and challenges and struggles uh, of our vocation uh, in His own heart, uh, asking for and trusting that we will receive the grace to live this out well. And as we go forth at the end of Mass, we have the opportunity to bring that which we have received out into the world, to a world that has no faith, a world that has no trust, and a world that, let's be honest, in many ways has no love either. If we are going to bring all of that to the world, we have to place all of our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world.